First of all, Gene Mean, I just want to point out a little bit of Jericho trivia. 28 years ago today, I was born right here in Long Island. And I just want to say, I sure am glad I left. This place sucks. So this is kind of like going back to our very first episode. In our very first episode, we talked about Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. And we started with a discussion about when the first time we saw Hulk Hogan was, right? And I talked about it, and Mike talked about it, and Jim talked about it. And today we're going to talk about Chris Jericho in the same way. And I think it's important that we do because Jericho has had a career of over 25, maybe 30 years now. And he's had many different iterations. He's worked in every different kind of promotion you can imagine. He's been in ECW, a war, WWF or WWE, a WCW, a triple A. He's been everywhere all over the world. And so today we're going to talk about the first time we ever saw him. So meet, when was the first time you saw Jericho and what was he doing and what did you think about him? I happened to catch him on Smoky Mountain Wrestling and he was wrestling in a tag team with Lance Storm. They were called like uh, the Thrill Seekers, right? Thrill Seekers, I believe. Yeah. How good were they at that time? Did you no- take notice or were they like just green guys or what'd you think? They're definitely different. That, that's one that I, I noticed because there was something different. They were doing stuff different than what wrestling was at that time. And meet, uh, sorry, Mike, where was the first time you saw Jericho? And what do you remember about the first time? I mean, we didn't get Smoky Mountain Wrestling on our television. So I I, I heard of him through that match. Right. But I, I don't know. The first time would maybe be ECW. I don't know. Right, because you had ECW coverage. So at ECW, I didn't get the ECW stuff till much later. At ECW, where was he in the card? Was he like the opening match? Like Jericho was like their Mysterio and the Psychosis like to warm up the crowd? Or were they putting him in the middle or at the top? What was going on with him then? Gee, I don't remember that. I don't remember where he was in the card. Because hey, half the time we saw the most of the shows, you know, it was uh, the television show was all chopped up. So it wasn't really I see. I see. in I the see, right I see. order. You know, they just took stuff out of the card. And so I know you must have read about him or heard about him uh, through like the magazines and like the sheets and all that stuff at that time. Did you think when you saw him like that he was going to be something special? Were you not sure about him at that time? No, I thought he had the, he had everything, man. He had the he had the ability. He had the charisma. So I remember the first time that I saw him was in WCW. I had heard a lot about him through the magazines and the internet was going a little bit at that time. And I always thought Meat mentioned that he was tag team partners with Storm. And I know a lot of people love Storm because he's very athletic and he's agile and he can do a lot of stuff. But I thought that Chris Jericho was way better because he worked stiffer and he was way more believable. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm necessarily having an exhibition. He was like trying to demonstrate, at least in the early days, that he was fighting. He was doing a lot of stiff arm elbows and he was working tight and close. I really liked his work way better than Lance Storm. And the the memories that I have of his early stuff was in WCW. And then after that, I went back to, you know, ECW and whatever. And from the very onset of his time in WCW, I thought that he should have not been with the cruiserweights. I was like, wait, why is he here? He should be working a, for the US title or he should be working, you know, up the card higher than the first hour of Nitro. And they took a long time to push him up the card. And they never gave him his fair shake in WCW, which caused him to leave. I thought he made the right career move. Absolutely. Yeah, he was doing everything right. They weren't just fucking not giving him enough time on the mic. They weren't giving him enough TV time. And then WWE starts him off by putting him in a program with The Rock, which shows you just how fucking mismanaged he was in WCW. Yeah. 
It was terrible. It was terrible. Well, he might have been like the coolest thing in the company at the time too, Jericho. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was on fire and everybody loved him. Everybody loved that Ralphus thing that he was doing. Everybody loved the listing, the way he would put his hair in a ponytail on top. Like for the time, it was way, way ahead of his time. And I think the crowd loved it. And that's why he was so over when he jumped over to WWF right away or WWE, whatever it was, right? So I have always thought he was really, really good. I, I liked everything he's done. I don't know his later stuff, the more recent AEW stuff. I know he's gotten older, putting on a little bit of weight. He's looking older in the face. But Mike, how is his match work? Is it like Dustin in that, like as he's gotten older, he's aged like fine wine? Or what would you say about his ring work? Well, for a minute, he was looking like Sam Kinison. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, right now, his yeah. physique didn't look much different than... It did in the video that we watched, in the match we watched. Oh, that's good. Like he, good. he got down, he got into phenomenal shape. Like he wasn't looking good for a while, and he yeah, kind of just plotted around the ring. He's he's not, you know, he's he's a bit older. I think Dustin might be better, but you know, mm-hmm. Jericho's the bigger name. I think Dustin might be uh, better now. Uh, I see, I see, I see. But he's definitely looking reasonably good these days. But yeah, he does so many things so well that you know he can mask s- certain things that he's lacking. Yeah, sure, sure. He, he's, he's good at that, right? He knows, he knows, right? And he's great at re- reinventing himself. Yeah, I agree. The pain maker, all that, man. That was like the, that was like one of the coolest things he could have done. What do you think? Like uh, Jericho with the the little pigtails in WCW is the best. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I like Jericho with the list. And then you're like, you know, this version of Jericho. He, there's so many different versions of them that were cool. That's right. You know what? I think you're right. You used the vocabulary like reinventing. I think for a guy in wrestling, it's really, really hard to reinvent yourself and stay on top. But he's done it like seven, eight, nine times maybe. Yeah. That's a, yeah, a testament to how good he is. During all that too, during, there's one, there's been one constant that I've noticed with him though too is the ability to put somebody over. Like his wrestling, like his wrestling style and how he works in the ring usually reflects the way he is, like the way his character is. So if he's a heel, he's you know a whiny heelish person he'll he'll work that way in the ring and it just seems like he's he's been able to find a way to put people over no matter where he was and it, it and just just doing it for the business not at, at any gratification just just trying to grow the business you know what i mean and evolve the business like he's been able to evolve you know there was a thing that jake the snake robert said about jericho especially mike i'm really curious about your thoughts he was so anti-jericho he might have been drunk he might have been stoned who knows what he was when he said this but he's like he hates jericho because one of the things that jericho does is he takes the opponent's finishing move and does it and then he jobs the move and so he makes the move look poor by doing it in the match against the guy himself. And he hates, like he would never let any guy do a DDT to him because he doesn't want his opponent to job his moves. And so he was like, Jericho is embarrassing every single guy he gets in the ring with and works with by doing their finishers on them. And he does it every single match. What do you think about that, Mike? Well, everybody does his finisher. Uh, right. Yeah. Everybody yeah, but, does his finisher. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, Punk actually uh, beat John Silver last night with uh, the Buckshot Lariat, which is Paige's finisher. And then they, set, they had a match coming up, so he's kind of, he was watching, so he, he kind of showed it off to him. Yeah, I think it has its place, right? You're right. Like I don't think it's an absolute no-no to use another guy's finisher in your match, especially if you're trying to show that the other guy does it better than you. When you do the job, if I, for example, did a DDT to Jake the Snake, 
and then he kicks out of it, but he gives me a DDT and I can't get out of it. It shows that he's a master of that move. And I think Jake missed that part of the psychology. I, I'm not sure. Like, I understand the criticism, but I don't think it's fair. Just difference in the generations, I guess. Like, I think they're a different generation, and uh, each one, each, each one, like has something to say about the one before him. Right, right. You mentioned it before about Luthez and Harley Race, right? Here's another example of Jake Roberts and Chris Jericho. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's get into the match this week. This week's match is a very interesting match. It happened in the promotion called War, which stands for Wrestle and Romance. <laughs> Come on, I never knew that, really? Yeah, Wrestle and Romance. It's run by Tenru. Tenru decided to break off uh, his connections with the New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time, set up his own promotion, got all the funding, all the financing. He got big money players to join, but at that time, in the Japanese wrestling environment, what he did was taboo because he quit. And so all the wrestling magazines, which had a huge amount of power in Japan at that time, refused to cover any of his shows. And then he got no publicity and they fucking buried him. So Wrestle and Romance War <laughs> is a critically acclaimed promotion that got no media coverage that died within two years, but had a plethora of outstanding talent and they had great shows but unfortunately they got killed because they didn't have the support of the local media it's an interesting story so this match happened there it's a one fall 30 minute time limit match and there's no announcer but this match much like the uh, Onita and Sasuke match didn't really need any commentary and I think it benefited without having commentary what do you think me? I thought that was cool. I thought because you could hear you could hear them and the, you could hear the crowd or lack thereof because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it was like they were watching like a play. Right, that's exactly how it is. Yeah, know what I mean. And I just I just thought it was really because you could hear them. You could hear both of them talking. Mike, what do you think about the lack of commentary? I don't know. I would have liked the commentary, I, especially Japanese commentary is so dope. I don't even know what they're saying, but it just sounds so fucking right. Cool. So when the commentary like builds to a crescendo in Japanese, I think there's almost nothing better than that, right? It sounds so. Oh, I know it's <laughs> awesome. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that it, it, that might have killed it a little bit for me. Uh yeah, the finish. I would have definitely gotten like a surprise reaction out of the commentator because they had a surprise finish. So I think we could have had a lot of excitement there. But it gives you a good idea of what house show wrestling is like in japan when you go to watch a house show in japan it's exactly like this match especially if you're a foreigner the crowd doesn't really get involved they want to see the japanese guy beat the foreigner unless the foreigner is like a big name and they stay quiet and then unless you do something outstanding it's silent it's fucking silent it's very normal it's a normal thing and so that's what house shows feel like here okay we start off the match they announced that Jericho's name is not Chris Jericho, but it's Lionheart. This is the name he goes by in Japan at that time. It's something you both need to remember for a future version of who the fuck is that guy. It's probably going to come up somewhere. <laughs> so he's Lionheart. He's working Ultimo Dragon. In the intro, we did not talk about Ultimo Dragon. Super, super fucking underrated guy that often gets left out in the conversation for the best junior heavyweights of all time. 
I think when we talk about best juniors, the guys that get a lot of publicity or a lot of talk are Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger, Otani, those kind of guys. He kind of gets left off that top four or five list usually, but I think he's well deserving of being mentioned amongst those names. Meet, what do you think about Ultimo Dragon? I've always liked him. I've always thought he was underrated as well, too. I mean, when you would first chance I got to see him, though, is, you know, WCW and the cruiserweights and right. No, just his look, his physique, like, like his his whole like his whole demeanor going to the ring and when he performed, I I just thought he was someone something different, and he brought that to every match. In the beginning, there was always something that I had never seen before that he had done. There's a number of moves named after him. Like you'll hear the commentators say, like this is an Asai moonsault or uh, something else. There's a couple of them, and so Asai is his actual real name. Oh. And so his name is wow. yeah, Asai Sam. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So all the Asai moves are actually after Ultimo Dragon. Mike, what are your thoughts? I was only around for two years. I just learned about that. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, Mike, what were your thoughts on Ultimo Dragon? Yeah, he definitely would be on, on uh, consideration for any top 10 cruiserweight list. I, I love the, the belt collector version of him when he had like the 75 belts oh it was awesome yeah it looked awesome the match starts off like a fucking rocket it's only 11 minutes i think this is a great 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 match for somebody who wants to learn about like what wrestling is because it shows a whole bunch of different things all at once i don't want to get into every single move but what i do want to highlight is the starting is super fast and they're going at each other 100 miles an hour it's not johnny saint and fit finley fast but it's got its own feel and for the early 90s i think it shows within the first 10 15 20 seconds they're way ahead of the game what do you think about that mike okay i watch so many guys this this i don't know this to me was yeah it was okay i see i i don't know man this i see so much good stuff now that Mm. this definitely wasn't tiger mask versus uh dynamite for me agree look i totally agree with you but i think in 11 minutes they got a lot of stuff in here and i thought it was good for an 11 minute match like you know i think if you're having a tiger mask match you need like 18 17 18 minutes to build tell a little bit of a story do a whole bunch of stuff i agree it's not nowhere near one of the better matches we've even seen in the podcast but i thought it was good for 11 minutes what do you think me I thought it was really cool in the, in the opening. Is that when he does the handstand on the ropes? That's correct. And like the end of thing, and he turns that into he turns that into that move. He I did, just yeah, they did like a backspring moonsault from the uh, second rope to the outside, which was like a very in the very early stages. I had never seen that before, but you know, since then, like Mike said, since then there's there's so many yeah, good, sure. good sure. matches, and there's so many good good wrestlers doing that stuff now. That that was definitely before their time. Like, maybe back then it would have been cool, but, like, right. now. Yeah. Like, now it's just normal. Now I give that, it a two. Yeah. I give it a two. Like, that would be a match that I would never remember. That would be <laughs> something that I wouldn't mind miss. You know, that yeah. could be a bathroom break now. Like, that's that would not be. Outstanding. It, it just wouldn't be the same. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, we're Tiger Mask and, and Dynamite Kid. You know, that's perfect, yeah. right? That's right. But, that's but right. This, that's perfect, right? Yeah. This, to me, it would it'd be a two. Uh, are we going yeah, on? Are we going on a bleacher? Are we going on yeah. a bleacher report one? <laughs> no, but I have a feeling we might get the bleacher reports. Uh, Ten best cruiserweights. Yeah, it might be in there. But this might be one of the best cruiserweight matches ever on the bleacher report, right? So yeah. Okay, so yeah, so what I think is interesting here, right? You can tell that Jericho is still a little bit green, and he's trying stuff here 
that he doesn't use in his repertoire ever again. Because I guess one thing that's good about him is if he doesn't do something good, he recognizes it and he moves away from it because he gave one of the fucking worst off the top rope headbutts I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> did he hit his he hit his shoulder? Did he did he end up getting him in his shoulder? <laughs> With his chin or something. Yeah, he looked fucking terrible. It was awful. You know, I never liked the off the top rope headbutt. The only guys who've done it well, in my opinion, are Benoit, uh, Benoit and Harley Race. And I would say that, like, you know, if you think about a dynamite kid he's probably even better than benoit right but like those three but benoit is essentially a copy of dynamite kid those three guys did it well and maybe harley's was the most devastating because the other two guys don't carry a lot of weight but i'm thinking if you're jumping off the top rope anyways you've got all your body weight with you why wouldn't you just do a splash why wouldn't you just do an elbow it seems more why you use your head it's gonna hurt you right yeah it doesn't i never thought of it as a good move i didn't like the move itself so i've never been a fan either yeah okay and then after that terrible headbutt off the top rope something interesting happens we see the guys go to the outside and ultimo dragon does the acai moonsault and i knew i knew it was coming i've seen so many matches of his and it's always set up the same way throws the guy to the outside the guy on the outside starts to get up as Asai or uh, Ultimo Dragon's on the apron, he gives a guy a kick to the chest to move him back a little bit. And I was like, oh, Asai Moonsaw, Asai Moonsaw. I was calling it for myself. Asai Moonsaw. And he, <laughs> and he jumps up and he does a beautiful Asai Moonsault as predicted. And then from there, they get back into the ring and a couple of like sloppy moves here, right? So Yeah. That roll-up was the shits. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, for the shit, you're right. <laughs> it looked, by today's standards, it's totally crap. And I'm, you know, thinking to myself, this match is in 95. In 95, how far advanced was this? Like, were they doing something like unheard of that now guys have been able to perfect? But I don't think so. I think even for that time, it wasn't good. Like, I, I think this was something they should have been able to do more smoothly because it looked terrible it was it was brutal meet same stuff do we know if this is jericho's first match in war i know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't all right so i was was just saying maybe because he was just getting used to working that working in that ring and trying to you know did you know the the spots got messed up you know that's possible that would be generous that would be generous (laughs) well i'm I'm just thinking i'm just thinking positive (laughs) (laughs) i I like both of these guys a lot i just this didn't do it for me yeah and then from there what I did like, though, was uh, a couple. There was a couple of things that I, I think are important, right? So we see a Frankensteiner. These are the these are early days of the Frankensteiner, and then uh, we see a, a one other thing which really, really, really bothers me that I don't know if we've ever discussed before. But they're standing in the middle of the ring, and they're standing next to each other, and Ultimo Dragon does a kind of like body check to Jericho and then he runs off the ropes and this is a very lucha style of running the ropes as opposed to the North American style where you grab the arm you yeah. do an arm ringer and then you and so I've never liked that lucha style off the rope like I why would I run off the ropes if my opponent's standing in front of me I think it's more logical or reasonable to throw my opponent off the rope and catch him coming back at me I, I don't like that rope lucha rope style what do you think mike yeah but isn't the whole throwing the guy into the ropes thing 
about the most unrealistic thing in wrestling to begin with. Yeah, I, I agree. The whole rope. Like I would just stop. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Like I wouldn't. Like I'm not like in a street fight. You're gonna let someone throw you off a throw you off a, a fence. Yeah, and you're gonna bounce back like a fucking goofball. You're gonna bounce back, right? I, I agree. Yeah, I think the whole the whole set the whole premise is like super yeah, illogical. Yeah, so I agree. I agree with you. All of it's illogical, but I think the lucha thing's even worse because I'm just standing there waiting for the guy who just gave me a baby body check to run off the ropes and come right at me, and I'm just standing there taking whatever he's gonna give me. I I never liked that rope thing either, and any of it. You're right. All of it's, I think, garbage. Terrible. There's, there's one they do now a lot is where when when one guy's down and then the other guy's about to bounce off the ropes, he'll turn his back to him and he'll stand there like an asshole and he'll stand run in place and he'll bounce off the ropes. And the guy always catches uh, him, <laughs> you know, or he'll grab him from behind. I, I that's uh, the worst. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know what I don't mind is when there two guys are locked up in the middle of the ring and then one guy gets behind the guy. And then he runs forward with the guy in his arms and they both go into the ropes and then they roll backwards. So like now I've run with you and held you and forced you to go off the ropes and then roll you up for a package. To me, that's reasonable. Yeah. But all these other ones, all these other ones make no sense. Okay. Then there is something really good in this match that I haven't seen, I think, in a long time. It reminded me of how good Ultimo Dragon was, is Ultimo Dragon tries to go for a move off the rope whip here, and he misses, right? So he, he goes for a move, he misses, he sells the leg injury, and within like 10 seconds, not even 10 two seconds, Jericho's on him with the figure four. It's super fucking fluid. I don't know if they planned it out or worked it out, but if they covered him blowing out his leg, it was beautiful. That transition was beautiful. I don't, you know, usually when a guy falls down, he's pretending he's hurt from something like fucked up. You know, they they pause or they wait just to make sure is the guy's that hurt or not hurt. Jericho didn't hesitate, went straight to the figure four, and they called a rest spot there. They're holding it there for a while. I really love that cover. I don't know what you thought about that meet. That might be like an old school, like a classic heel move, though. Go after the guy's injury right there, you know, show it. And he, he worked in the crowd, right, too. I right. mean, you know, made noises. And made sure you know, made sure they know he they knew what he was doing. He was attacking his weakness. Yeah, he's good for that, right, Mike? He's good. Jericho's good about going after like damaged areas on the opponents and like trying to manipulate and psychologically damage the opponent. So I think that's part of his repertoire, right? Yeah, I think it was mentioned by one one of you guys mentioned how he was like maybe even both of you in, in one way or the other mentioned how he's got the, the toughness where he throws in those throws in those elbows and he's got more of a fighter, more of a tough guy feel and right. that. I think that's like a more realistic thing. It's like something you'd see like in that in, in MMA, right? Right. You know, something like that. They're gonna you're gonna get on it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and he's a, you know he's a tough guy. I think that that probably goes right with his image. Yeah, I think that tough guy thing comes from his dad being a hockey player and fighting all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His old man wasn't a bad hockey player either. I mean, he was your he was your he was your third line grinder for those days. To, but just to make it in the NHL back then, type guy like a goon like that, like Domi. Yeah, he was a goon. He was a goon. So I think that's where he gets it from. Like his dad taught him, like stand up and fight and be as tough as you can. So like he took that and ran with it. I think he's he's done that well. Like no matter how- he runs with that in the locker room, right? And like you know what's good is you'd never aspe- expect a guy with a ponytail on the top of his head coming out dressed in like glitter to be willing to fight like a Goldberg backstage. Right? So that's Lesner, kind of for Christ's sake. Yeah, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like so, Goldberg's not even like real. Like Lesnar's like legit right. bad dude. Right, right. Like, who the fuck I love that, that about guy's face? Isn't a neck? Yeah, I love that about Jericho. I love that he doesn't take 
guff from anybody. I that that's he defends the business at all costs at all times. Yeah, he looks but, after the boys too. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. like he's like he's like your if if you could have like a union president, it would be him willing to you know. That's a good way to describe him. I think that would be ideal, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that would be your consummate. That would be your union president because he's one. He's he's been up through the ranks of that, and he's. And you know what? He's brought a lot of people along through AEW too, like Jack Swagger. Who who would have thought to make him the enforcer? And he doesn't say much. They give him very little to say, but when they do it, it's it's funny. And Jericho comes up with some hilarious stuff. Those some of those vignettes when he was going against Cody, I, they killed me. Or like the stuff he did with MJF. Oh my god! <laughs> what really impressed me about him was what Mike told me that he put uh, Orange Cassidy over. I think that just goes to show you how much of a consummate professional he is. Because I think a lot of guys would not be willing to do that. No. Yeah, and that was like the feud. I mean, that was the two out of three. Yeah, yeah, great, great, very good. Okay, then getting back to the match, we have a spot here that I really, really loved. As you know, as reasonable I thought this match was, it was uh, there was one spot I really loved, and that was they go to the top rope, and Ultimo Dragon does an inverted suplex off the top rope. So Jericho's going for the superplex. Ultimo Dragon reverses it, gives an inverted suplex off the top, and he comes down off the ropes, and he does the fastest, tightest Mahiskra cradle I think I've ever seen. I loved when he used to, and I almost forgot that he used this in his repertoire. We saw it earlier in a match with Otani and Liger, but I think Ultimo's Dragon's Mahiskra cradle might be the tightest in the game. It's really, really good. It might be. Yeah. Really, really yeah for back then I, I mean i don't know about you know i don't know nowadays like who's using it over there or whatever but now right yeah yeah it was so smooth. yeah very smooth okay then we get a super fast count and then a power bomb her and kanrana these are big moves for the time you know today they're like warm-up moves but they're very very big moves for the time second power bomb the crowd is really starting to get into the match and it's a close two and then Jericho goes for the lion salt, and when he goes for the lion salt, Ultimo Dragon gets up and gives him a perfectly timed drop kick. I've never seen that counter to the lion salt before. I thought it was outstanding, and that was the highlight of the match for me. That was mine too. I did. I did that whole sequence was when when he when he pulled it off like that. It's that was just like you could hear the crowd too getting involved for a Japanese crowd to pop like that. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's and after not hearing hearing for the majority of the match, right? right. And then like it just seemed like that. Just like the the feel of the tempo in the whole arena, you could feel it just change. Like they were, it's like they were waiting for that to happen. Yeah. So at that time. I think, you know, that type of counter was not very popular. But for today, it probably is. People have probably worked that out already. But for that time, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. It was probably pretty unique back then. But I, I don't know if you saw Adam Cole and Ricochet in NXT. You want to counter with a super kick? Holy shit, man. It, I, I, it was just perfection. You know, Ricochet's moves, I think, you know, I, I have to say, like, Vader, before he died commented and shit all over Osprey and Ricochet's match because he said, you know, it's not wrestling. Like what you're watching here is like CGI. It's 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 not wrestling. And you know, to a certain extent, I understand what Vader's trying to say. Like he's trying to say the moves here are so fast and so good and so incredibly creative. Yeah, sometimes I think when some of those old guys mm-hmm. say that, I, I mean I get I get their point to an extent, but a lot of them are just like, well, they couldn't do that shit anyways. Like Eddie Kingston said 
if you you know his favorites are you know uh Kawada and Masao and you know Kobashi and Akiyama those guys and but somebody that he admires the most now is Ray Phoenix because mm-hmm. he he wouldn't even think of trying to do any of the shit he does and he can't believe how good he does it you know he's like he, he's like he watches him and he's like this guy impresses me he said this is the evolution of wrestling mm-hmm. he's not he's not bitter because he's got a totally different style than the guy and he can't do the shit that the guy does uh, he's not gonna right. downplay a guy because he can't you know because he can't do something because eddie kingston couldn't he'd break his fucking neck if he tried to do it one of even like the most simplest move that ray ray, ray phoenix does because the guy's like a, a little lunatic I think like I think um, yeah. Vader probably maybe said that is because like he was the only four hundred pound guy doing moonsaults like that. That maybe you know it's I don't know. Just, I just like I think he was speaking for the thing like you didn't see too many big guys like me doing what I did, and like in these two these two littler guys, you know, they, they do it flawlessly. So it's like they, they just added it in there. I think he doesn't understand, and some of these guys don't understand that not everybody's going to be born 400 pounds and six foot something. Right. right. You know what I mean? When, when the, during the pandemic and indie wrestlers were trying to do like, get like, you know, maybe some financial support to their fans through certain in, different endeavors. Braun Strowman was shitting on them because, because Mm-hmm. They were where they were. Well, most guys do have to come up through the Indies. Most guys do have to like start somewhere. Not everybody's born looking like that fucking guy. Right. You know, he's seven foot something, and he and he he's built like a tank. Yeah. So so it's like easy for those guys to say, sure. You, you know, for you, the coolest route is just to beat somebody up. But you know, for somebody else that wants to be a pro wrestler, that that that's not your size. They can't do the things you you can't do. But they're not going to shit on you because you fucking lumber around the ring and, and pound on people. You can't compare that match to the matches I had. I think that's the essence of what he's saying. Because I heard him say in another interview that Ricochet might be one of the greatest athletes he's ever seen. So I don't think he was really trying to bury the guy. And so in that sense, I agree with you, Mike. Like when you see a Ricochet match or those guys today, like him and Osprey and those kind of guys, like what they do is so far ahead of what was happening in 95. It makes this look kind of shitty. But for this time, I think it was just way, way ahead of, yeah, way ahead of what. We're yeah, doing. sure, but but um, you have to. Did you see that match? You have to watch at least look for the highlight of it. his super kick off a of ricochet goes for like a flippy shit thing, and he he hits him so. Oh my god! Like and he, and he does it, I think against Gargano. He's done it against quite a few guys, but oh. it's so good. It, it, it just makes this look, you know, it's a nice drop kick. It was probably cool, and you know, I see. I 20 see. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 30, 30 years ago now, right? 30, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay, then we get close to the finish, and there's a, a move here that these guys, they're both on the corner, on the top of the turnbuckle. They're sitting on the top, and it's sloppy. Like, Jericho goes to the top, Ultimo Dragon's on his shoulders, Ultimo Dragon's trying to wiggle out and reverse, and you're not really sure what he's trying to do, and then finally he gets positioned, and he slides off, and he spins around, and he does a power bomb with Jericho sitting on the top rope. When Jericho was, it looked like he was going to do something with Ultimo Dragon on his shoulders. It did not come off really well, but what they were trying to do was something Manami Toyota had done a year earlier against Aja Kong, and when you see how Manami Toyota makes this move look, you'd be disappointed how shit this looks. It looks shit to begin with, honestly. But like when you see what they were trying to do, you'll see how good it can look. And unfortunately, they screwed it. They go to the end. They get in the middle. And the finish is really unexpected. It's a Jericho's in the full Nelson, wiggles out of it, 
little roll up, one, two, three, and we go home. For 11 minutes, I thought it was reasonable. Probably one of the worst matches of the 35 we've done thus far. But it's it's a reasonable match. I, I didn't think it was anything wrong with it. Mama, meet what do you think? Well, I think towards the end of that match, you can see when they picked up the pace with it, I think when it, that whole last sequence there, I think they were both just out of it. Like, they're out of it. They had not, like, like they, they, they exerted too much energy, and they're just trying to catch their breath. And that's why I think it looked a little sloppy. I see. I see. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at, if you look at it, they don't look like they're, you know, it's, it, they look a little peakish, if you, if you will. So, Mike, you mentioned it's a 2 out of 10 for you. But yeah, I, nothing. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to say there were no like takeaway spots that you were like, "Oh, that's cool," or "That was great," or nothing stood out. You know, honestly, not really. Not really, huh? Wow. <laughs> no, I just. I mean, it was probably better than the Lee Scott match. <laughs> I like the Lee Scott match better than this one. I don't. I think Lee Scott would beg to differ on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think this is not the best showcase for either of these guys, and I'm sure some point down the road. We'll watch a much, much better, much more recent Jericho match. And we'll watch something better with Ultimo Dragon. I was surprised. This is a match that a lot of people were talking about is one of the better Jericho matches. And I've seen hundreds of Jericho matches better than this match. So I'm not sure why it's valued at like a, such a high rating. It's like four and three quarter star. Four. Yeah. Four and three quarter stars. I would. I think they're lucky to get three stars for this. Lucky. Two, two something. Two and a half is fine with me. Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that guy? This week, we're getting into first. Who the fuck is that guy? The who the fuck is that guy is eight rounds, but there is no fucking way I'm winning. There's no way it's going to be either Mike or it's going to be either meat. And if it gets past round five shame on you guys fucking shame on you guys this is uh, this You're is talking some, sh- talking some shit there are you <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll start with mike mike here we go round one i won't be surprised if you get a round one round one the stalker barry dorsaw incorrect meet round two Jungle Terror. Godfather. Incorrect. Mike, round three. The Lone Wolf. Chris Chavez. Incorrect. Meet. Round four. Dirty Yellow Dog. Oh, my God. Road Dog. Incorrect. Round five. The Widowmaker. Barry Windham? Yay! Very good. Barry Windham is a correct I, I heard that dirty yellow dog and I couldn't place it. I knew it was like some, I knew it was one of those Southern guys. Yeah. So I thought you might have got the stalker. The stalker was a short lived gimmick. I forgot about that shit. Yeah. Right. He was a WWF. He was a stalker. Yeah. So the stalker, jungle terror, the lone wolf. Dirty Yellow Dog, The Widowmaker, Black Jack Mulligan Jr., Jeez. Black Jack Wyndham, and then Barry Wyndham. How the hell did a second-generation guy get so many freaking shitty-ass gimmicks?
Do you know who's on the roster? This week, the roster, we are talking about a pay-per-view that happened in 1985. I know Mike is already groaning like, oh, fuck. I guess it's 1985. This is the first ever Great American Bash. And to put into perspective for you, this was four months after WrestleMania 1. And they had and they had it free on TBS. Mike, you're in trouble. He remembers. <laughs> okay, there, are, there are 25 guys on this show. Uh, we will start with Meat. Round one, the roster, Great American Bash, 1985. Who's your first pick? Dusty. Dusty Rhodes is correct. Flair. Rick Flair is correct. Meet. I want to say Steamboat. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And Mike, this is the first time you've won the roster against the meat. Wow. What? 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 So fucking pumped for this. The internet bullshit for this week, again, brought to you by the Bleacher Report, our unofficial sponsor. This week, the 10 greatest promo guys in the wrestling business. This will be <laughs> fucking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with number 10, and then I'm going to lead you down to number one. But before I introduce number one, we're going to go to the list buster as usual. But this week, I'm going to give you the justification for number one before I reveal number one. Okay? So that we'll keep that in mind. So number 10, the greatest... What year is the list out, just so we know? Sorry? What, what year is this list put out? This list was put out in 2013. Okay. okay. 2013. 2013. So here we go. Uh, sorry, 2012. But it's around there. 2012. Here we go. The greatest... <laughs> Uh, promo guys ever. Not a promo, but the guys themselves. Number 10, Arn Anderson. Meet. I don't know. I don't know if he's in the top 10. I mean, maybe top 25. He was he didn't do it. He didn't do it for me. I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. Mike? I I'm going the opposite because every Saturday night at 605 when I'd watch this guy, he he was good. I, I'm super surprised that they have him on here, and I think that most wrestlers would tell you that he would definitely be in the top 10. So I, I, I just think that's, I just didn't like Aaron. I don't know. I just didn't like him earlier on. So I agree with you, Meet. There's like a thing with Arn Anderson. Either you love him or you hate him, right? Like he's a, a very polarizing kind of guy. And I, but I also agree with Mike. Like when he spoke to you, in some sense, it's like an Eddie Kingston, right? Like you believe what he's Fuck saying. That shit, man. Yeah. 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 So I can understand. Yeah. That. I think, I think most wrestlers would, would definitely say that he was in the top 10, and there's probably a lot of them that would put him higher than that. Right. Okay. Number nine, Chris Jericho. Mike? Absolutely. Hands down. Hands down. Okay. Unquestionable. Without even having to think about it, you know? Okay. Now, here we go. Number eight. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, ready? Number eight, Road Warrior Hawk. 
No, not top ten ever. He was cool though. I mean, it was cool. He, he was kind of basic though, and mostly the same shit. It was just a catchphrase. It was all like cartoon style promo. Like he was a, a TV game character, or like a video game character. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't. I, I don't. He had a really cool voice. Yeah, the voice was good, but what he said wasn't so clever. I thought I just a lot of screaming and yelling, and his energy was high. But I didn't. I he wasn't for me. Yeah, I don't think he was a bad promo guy, but top ten would be a, a bit a stretch. Agreed. Meet. What do you think? Same. I have the same. Interesting choice. Yeah, it's. Mm. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know if he just does. He's got to have. He's got to have uh, animal with him. Uh yeah. You know, it's gotta, they got to be. They they got to be doing it as a team. They can't. I don't know. One of each of them alone. I don't. I don't think does talk, it for me. Talk was better. He on the stick. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think he he talked a lot more. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. I agree with you. Hawk is better than Animal, absolutely. But I agree with me, too, that they need to be together and they work off each other, right? In a singles match, he's doing a singles promo. I don't remember ever seeing that ever, and I don't remember any one of them standing out as being good. I think think both of those, I think that and the Aaron Anderson pick both surprised me, like, but not in a shitty way. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Hawk was good, but definitely not in the top 10. And then I heard Aaron Anderson, it's like, how the fuck? Like, didn't his name come to my mind because uh, <laughs> overlooked, right, yeah. like, for, for like Hawk, I'm like, oh, yeah, he was pretty good, but he definitely shouldn't be on this list. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, Iron. Yeah. 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 I, I don't okay. know why I didn't think of it. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> okay. Number six, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Meet. All right. I'll, I'll give him tap time. Mike. Oh, go ahead, man. I, I agree. Go ahead. He was pretty awesome. I mean, when he had the microphone, you wanted to hear what was going to come out of his mouth. Yeah, you, you you waited. You couldn't wait for him to come out to the ring and say some shit. You know, with those beady little eyes, McMahon, and your beady little eyes. Got that smirk. <laughs> yeah. He was perfect for the time. His mic work was outstanding. He read the crowd so well. I, In fact, I would have him way fucking higher than sixth. I'm surprised he's that low. And so, especially considering who's coming up, but six, Steve Austin. Number five, The Rock. So this is a little bit tricky, right? Mike, would you say as a promo guy, The Rock is better than Austin or would you put Austin ahead of The Rock? Yes, yeah, man. Yeah, they're both pretty, pretty damn good, man. It's hard to say. I would put them neck and neck because they're from the same era. Yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's tricky, right? I think, you know, if there's no Austin then Rock doesn't get as over as he is, right? I think the Rock plays off of Austin and that's why he becomes famous. I think it's a fair I think it's a fair a fair comparison because they came up in the same era. So number five, Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, Mike? Ooh, that's another good Ooh. This is a very good list so far. Okay. Meet. Okay. Number four. The macho man Randy Savage. Meet the early ones with with Gene, and he's oh, using God. all the props. The, the, the fucking cream, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, sweeping up, sweeping up the competition. And he had the other one where he goes, "How do you how do you say goodbye in Spanish for Tito Santana?" Like, there's there's so many good ones. Mike agreed. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, Savage is another one. I was hard, hard to argue against. He's great. He was great. Okay, so we've got Arn Anderson. Chris Jericho, Hawk, Steve Austin, The Rock, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Randy Savage. Except for Hawk, I think we're all in agreement with these guys being very, very good. Yes. Very, very good. Okay. Top three, list buster. 
any idea of who's in the top three? Well, three guys that I know that should be on there. So we're going to try to guess. Uh, we'll say just if just without even really putting a lot of thought in it, I'd say Mankind, Dusty, and Flair. But they might have something like Hogan, whose promos blue, and Cena's who weren't good either, in my opinion. Piper's got to be on that fucking list. Oh, fuck Piper, man. So I can't Jeez. believe this. The fucking list buster totally busted the list, but he busted it in a way he didn't realize. So we'll get to it. Here we go. In reverse. Uh, the third best promo guy in wrestling ever is Dusty Rhodes, according to this list. The second best promo guy ever is Ric Flair. Oh. And then here is the justification for the greatest promo guy in wrestling ever. This is what they wrote. Is there really any dispute? His slogans, his catchphrases, his paraphernalia, and his music, you name it, the best promo guy in wrestling, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, fuck this. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck it. Piper's okay. nowhere to be found on this fucking list. So you kick him out and you put Piper You put Piper at number two, Flair at number one, because he's having a hard time keeping those gators down. Yep. And then you give it a pop, <laughs> you know, and then you, and you throw in Mick Foley. Yep. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So what the fuck is Hulk Hogan on here with his eat your vitamins and prayers and bullshit that he... <laughs> Oh my if god! You know, what, know who deserves a spot before fucking Hogan does on any list is fucking Heyman. There's so many guys you could put yeah. so many guys. You know what? I agree with Mike's original list. It's Dusty Flair, and for me, number one is Cactus because the storytelling and the picture creation. Oh, outstanding! Out fucking standing. But we get rid- we get rid of Hogan and Hawk, and we got a pretty good list. Right, right. So what makes this fucking? I mean, this is the best list they've ever put out. What makes this less this list the worst list ever, and also the best list ever? Is the reason why it's the worst is they have it all right until number one, then they shit the bed, yeah. and they shit the bed so huge. You know what I mean, like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I said it, I told you who I thought it should be, right. and then, then I then I, <laughs> I said, but I did throw that caveat out there that it could be Hogan or Cena because they tend to be idiotic. Piper, yeah, right. I was so I was so impressed with this list that they had fucking Arn Anderson on there. You know, yeah, they made me think about Hawk. You know, you know they have Jake Roberts on there, who some people might not think of, but is just has, was great. You know, Savage, all the, all these great names, and then they put Hogan on the top. They don't they didn't even put Foley or Piper on the list, right? This is the biggest letdown of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Six Man Podcast. Here they come, you can tag in with a DM. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. What?